Hello, I'm Jim and this is On The Left Side, the alternative football show. It's the very first show of 2017 and the year is already kicking off with a bang. For example, it's party time at Chelsea right now with another win and the team are closing in on the Premier League's all-time consecutive win record. Antonio Conte is clearly keen to keep the tabloid journalists on side and so he invited them all round for a festive drink this week, including... BBC Five Live's John Southall. So we all adjourned to the local pub around the corner from the training ground, the plough, and yeah, he, he bought us a, a beer. It was all very pleasing. He was, was very engaging company. I'd be careful if I was Conte. If 2016 taught us anything, it's that going for a beer with members of the Associated Press can only lead to bad things. It starts off as a friendly pint. Just you, a journalist, and a hidden recording device. But you're only ever a pint of wine and a conversation about circumnavigating third-party ownership rules away from ending up as the next Crystal Palace manager. And no one wants that. So, what's coming up on this week's show? Leicester City goes all being John Malkovich. Who is running this Mickey Mouse operation? Phil Neville's killer anecdote. And what Zlatan is missing at United. But first... We say goodbye to an all-American export. It's 2017 and it's a new start for Swansea City after they dumped Bobcat Bob Bradley after just 87 days in charge of the club. The former US national coach hardly had time to get his American bald eagle out of quarantine and stick up a stars and stripes in his office before being shown the door, but somehow the writing seems to have always been on the wall, as football fans fail to believe that he, an American, could possibly know anything about football because he said PK instead of penalty kick and used the term road game instead of playing away. Surely even Bob knows that he can't be a good football manager if he, you know, speaks a bit funny like. 95% of my football vocabulary fits without a problem. And then when push comes to shove, you know, you, you try to make sure that your message uh, resonates and is clear with the players. That's what counts. So let's just get this right. Mauricio Pochettino came to England without being able to speak a word of the language, chose to speak to his players and the media via an interpreter and was heralded as a new footballing dawn, a tactical genius. But because Bob Bradley describes football boots as cleats, says tie instead of draw and defence instead of defence, somehow his players couldn't understand him. Mm -hmm. Actually, that last one is unforgivable. Fair play to the former Swansea boss, though. He stood up to the media and chatted to talk sport post his Swansea exit, or Swexit, as no one's calling it, to give his view. Bob, how are you feeling this morning after what happened last night? I'm a little bit pissed off this morning. There you go. That's a pretty solid use of Anglo-Saxon English right there. So, who is going to come in and replace the double B? It started off, there seemed to be just one name on everyone's lips. Give it Giggsy to the end of the season. But the Swansea board didn't want to give it to Giggsy to the end of the season and ruled out the United legend from the running early doors. And rightly so in my opinion. If they were going to appoint a new manager from that class of 92, then it wasn't Giggsy they wanted. There was only one man for the job. The Swansea team needed a no-nonsense manager. 
A manager who isn't afraid to tell it like it is. A manager who doesn't take crap from anyone. A manager who isn't afraid to call a school child a fucking dick if he feels he needs to. Shut up, you fucking dick. This week, I came across a clip that changed my view of Gary Neville forever. Now, this prank phone call has been knocking around the internet for around 10 years, but I've never heard it before now. And it's beautiful, so I had to share it. Back when Gary was still kicking balls in anger at Manchester United, a group of school kids got hold of G-Nev's number and decided to give him a bell, or two, or three. And the former defender eh, didn't take it too well. Hello? Who the fuck are you? Hi, uh, I'm John. I'm just ringing to apologise. Who the fuck have you got my number off? Huh? Where's the connection back to me? I literally have no clue whatsoever. You're going to tell me who started passing my number around your school? Apparently, I've been, I'm being told now, yeah, that Tony Adams' son. Tony Adams' son? Who's Tony Adams? You know, you used to play for Arsenal? Shut up, you fucking dick. Let's just hear that bit again. Who's Tony Adams? That's Sky Sports pundit Gary Neville, everyone. It's like a really bad version of Liam Neeson in Taken. What I do have is a particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. And if you don't tell me who Tony Adams is, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will fuck you up, you dick. Gary Neville denies that's actually him. But if it's not him, then it's a great impersonation. And the kids involved clearly went to a whole load of effort to find someone who was capable of mimicking Gary Neville almost perfectly. Like a lesser version of the former United player. Like Gary without maybe the success and the charm. You know, like Phil Neville. And it was the other Neville brother that gave me a blast from the past this week as well, when a weird video popped up online with P. Nev talking about his footballing skills. So, think of Phil Neville. What one particular skill do you think of when you think of Phil Neville? As a fullback, you need to develop a trick and mine was a step over. The step over, of course. And I did it in a game once at Old Trafford. I did a step over, got to the byline, crossed it, and we nearly scored. I mean, that is a great story, Phil. The time that you did something in a match and your team almost scored, amazing. You're quite the raconteur, sir. So remember, Swansea fans, Speaking the language with perfect phrase and diction isn't always all it's been cracked up to be. Because in the end, you can still end up sounding like a dick. And at least Bob didn't come over to the UK and try and speak with a fake English accent all the time. I mean, what kind of idiot would have done that? I sort of knew uh, when I came here and uh, Champions League, it is Arsenal. I think we we are not just uh, what you call underdogs, but massive underdogs. Oh, yeah. The fight for justice has been as hot as the fight for the Premier League this week. It all started at Leicester City, where the club's hierarchy wanted to show their disagreement with the FA's decision to uphold Jamie Vardy's unjust red card versus Stoke by filling their stadium with Jamie Vardy's. Or should that be Jamie Vardy? I'm never sure. Anyway, they provided every fan in the stadium with their very own Jamie Vardy mask. The results were 
a bit weird. It made parts of the ground look like a strange glitch in the matrix where all the fans were slowly morphing into computer-generated versions of the Leicester City striker. Either that or a terrifying vision of the future where due to some hideous mix-up somewhere in a lab, the world was now entirely populated by Jamie Vardy's, hell-bent on drinking the world dry of blue WKD, making those who chat shit get banged and having endless parties whilst wearing inexplicable bandages over their wrists for no apparent reason. But it got even weirder. Vardy decided it would be top bants if he put on his very own Vardy mask. There he is. <laughs> Jamie Vardy is sitting there looking like Jamie Vardy. Very good. Next to Robert Hooth. We wait to see if Robert Hooth puts one on. There he is. No, I'm not putting one on, he says. No chance. <laughs> oh, they're just a crazy bunch of normal lads, aren't they? Ah, oh, bants. I'm not sure the stump will make any difference to the FA's future decisions, but at least TV news channels won't go short of Jamie Vardy lookalikes next time they do win something and they need to fill 24 hours of non-stop news channel Leicester backslapping. The other big justice-related news this week was the case of Harry the Hornet. After Wilfred Zahar was judged to have dived in Palace's game versus Watford, the team mascot rubbed in the resulting yellow card by throwing himself to the floor in front of the Eagles winger after the match. New Palace boss Big Sam was particularly upset by the incident and even called for the FA to take official action over the mascot's antics. I've seen it on the on the replay. Well, the mascot is out of order, isn't it? I think we all need to remember that this is a grown man who used to be the England manager asking for the official governing body of the biggest sport in the world to settle an argument that he's having with a giant insect. You got that? Good. But never let the FA be accused of avoiding the issue, and they were quick to speak out, confirming that they would not be taking action against Harry. Watford, meanwhile, they didn't stay silent either. They defended the actions of their employee, but also, at the same time, reminded him of his responsibilities, whatever those responsibilities might be. And can we remind you, Mr Horner, that your job is to entertain children at matches, create a fun family atmosphere at Vicarage Road, and occasionally make large nests of our chewed-up paper. Personally, I think it's a shame that the FA didn't take it more seriously. Not because I think it's a heinous crime, but because I wanted to see the scene in the FA's offices of Harry the Hornet in full costume, head bowed, standing in front of a board made up of FA bigwigs and a few of his peers such as Fred the Red and Herbie Hammer as he's finally brought to justice and faces the music. Even if that did happen, still, amazingly, that wouldn't be the most farcical thing the FA have done this year. One of the other candidates for the Swansea job that we didn't mention earlier is our Ari Redknapp. The ex-Spurs, ex-West Ham, ex-Portsmouth manager may definitely not be a wheeler dealer, but he does certainly fancy a job as being a football manager in South Wales. It's a good club. It's the, if the opportunity and the challenge came up, it, it, it would be one that would be interesting. As far as I can tell, Redknapp is still currently a director of Winborn Town, a football advisor to Derby County, a football consultant to the Central Coast Mariners in Australia, and the international manager of Jordan. I mean, how could we forget his wonderful post-match interview after getting that gig? Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome. About uh, Captain Abdullah Abuzemi. Uh, yeah. 
But with all those managerial positions, consultancies and advisory roles, I assume that it all pretty much boils down to one key idea, which was perfectly demonstrated with his plans for Swansea City. If you could beat Chelsea and let you have John Terry straight away, you, I'd, I'd bet you to stay up. You see, Harry Redknapp thinks the world's problems can be solved by signing John Terry. In the summer, Redknapp told West Ham that signing John Terry would help their transition to a new stadium. A few weeks later, he suggested that Arsene Wenger should sign JT if he wanted to win the league. And just a fortnight ago, he told Pep Guardiola that he could resolve his defensive issues by, you guessed it, signing John Terry. I have no idea if John Terry even wants to leave Chelsea or if Redknapp has a 45th job as John Terry's agent, but he certainly seems keen on Terry moving on elsewhere. I can only assume that is either because Terry is a top, 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 top footballer, a proper football man, or maybe with all his different jobs around the world, Redknapp is leaving his wife at home quite a lot and he just wants to make sure that John Terry is busy elsewhere. The festive fixture list brought gifts to us all. Two incredible goals. One from Manchester United's Henrik Mkhitaryan on Boxing Day and the other from Arsenal's Oliver Giroud on New Year's Day. But which one was better? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> uh, detailed football analysis and endless pundit debate apparently. But not here. For me, Mkhitaryan's goal was the clear winner. If only for the fact that the Arsenal game was clearly so uninspiring that the five live commentary team were more interested in debating the ornithology than covering the game. Had a check then getting ready to take the goal kick. We've got a couple of little birds just fluttering into view here. It's gone all a bit test match special for a second there. <laughs> I've no idea what type of birds they were but I could certainly hear a couple of tits. It probably was the United man goal that edges it in all honesty, even if it was offside. But there were more pressing goal-scoring matters at Old Trafford, as Zlatan Ibrahimovic set his sights on being the top scorer in world football in 2016. The big Swede needed just two goals to overtake Lionel Messi, and he looked like he was on his way to doing so when he karate-kicked the ball into the net past the Middlesbrough keeper. A goal that was inexplicably ruled out for dangerous play by referee Lee Mason, leaving many United fans scratching their heads and YouTuber Stephen Howson on full-time's devil bemoaning Manchester United's refereeing luck. How does Zlatan put the ball in the back of the net and then follow through? And then even if he collects him on the follow through, the goal's happened. Some of the refereeing decisions that United have had against them this year have been absolutely shocking and borderline corrupt. But was it that bad a call at all? At TBN Sports on Twitter, had a different theory. Man United fans can moan all they like, but for all Lee Mason knew, Zlatan could have had a gun. Yeah, Victor Valdez is lucky to be alive. Zlatan didn't score again, didn't get the record, but he wasn't that bothered. For, surprisingly, being Zlatan isn't all about, well, being Zlatan nowadays. Either I score or I try to help my teammates score. And I haven't had any many assists so far. I'm sorry, what was that bit? And I haven't had any assists so far. Oh, well, um, maybe you just need more time to bond with the team or something. Just want to clarify that statement. Because from my other competition, I've been scoring goals, but I've done also a lot of asses. Good. Well, I hope you get some asses in the new year, mate. 
Zlatan's cheery positivity seems to be a bit of a thing at Old Trafford right now. A happy team, amazingly a happy Jose Mourinho, and some very happy fans. One such very special fan even took time out of his day to call up MUTV's football phone-in show after the game. Our next caller is in Jamaica. We're heading over there to speak to Usain. It's not Usain Bulls, is it? It is Usain Bulls. It is Mr Bulls. <laughs> Amazing. As a journalist, you live for moments like this. A chance to interview a global superstar. Find out what he really thinks about the team and maybe throw in some probing questions about his superstar Olympic future. What would you like to see, Usain? I'm just saying I'm looking forward to the guys today. They came through, I think I told watching the old Manchester United. Oh, they missed our whole, but they keep well our whole. OK, Usain, thanks very much for falling. Oh, well. The MUTV team didn't go for the probing interview option at all. Unable to really understand a word that Usain was saying, they did the thing that all Brits do when they can't really follow what a foreigner's talking about. They just nodded and smiled. Maybe next time they should get Ari Redknapp to do the interview. I'm just saying I'm looking forward to the guy today. Huh? They came through, I think I don't want the old Manchester United. Yeah. Right, that's it for another episode of On The Left Side, your alternative football show. Thank you for your support in 2016. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast as much as we've enjoyed making it. Actually, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it a lot more than we've enjoyed making it. If you're a new listener, then head to ontheleftside.co.uk and see what else we have on offer. Plus, if your New Year's resolution happens to be help write a weekly satirical football podcast, then get in contact via the website. We may be able to help with that one too. I'm off to crank call Gary Neville because that's full time. Happy New Year! When all the acquaintance be forgot, ba 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 ba, bye bye! I don't know who you are, I don't know why you listen. If you're looking for who made this, I can tell you. It was Ant McGinley and Jim Salveson. They have a very particular set of skills. Skills they have acquired over a couple of beers. Skills that they will use to make podcasts for people. People like you. If you go and leave a review on iTunes, now that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will fuck you up, you dick. Good luck.